Want to do better? Then it's time to change the story. Welcome to our show about new visions currently transforming the world through the confluence of art, tech, and innovation. And now your hosts, Michael Ashley and Neil Sahota. All right, welcome to another episode of Changing the Story. We have a great guest today, Nithin Jilla. He's the Executive Director for Dreams for School, a nonprofit focused on making STEM approachable and accessible for all. The programs inspire, create, and educate students to be STEM limerate, uh, sorry, literate with hard and soft skills needed to become critical thinkers, creative leaders, and technologists of tomorrow. Nathan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Michael. Great to be here. Uh, looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. We're so glad you're here today, Nathan. So, Nathan, as a visionary, what is the story that you want to bring to the world? Yeah, you know, the, the story that I think about bringing to the world, and I think about a lot, is the importance of adapting and changing our education system to be more robust and to be more, uh, you know, pr- uh, ready to prepare this next generation of innovators and technologists that, that Neil just referenced as part of our mission at Dreams for Schools. You know, because when I, when I think about um, the importance of education and why we need to change it, you know, we live in a world where technology is a big part of it and we need to make sure we're adaptable, we're flexible, and we're ever-changing to be able to, you know, address and, and find uh, solutions for, for uh, future problems, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Now, since I know some of the backstory, I think it would be fascinating for our audience to hear, how did Dreams for School actually start? <laughs> yeah, um, so, you know, for me, this, uh, this journey has been uh, quite a fun one and a serendipitous one, to be honest. Uh, I started my first nonprofit uh, with my uh, class of 2010 back in the high school at Cupertino High School. And we uh, made a commitment to take our class gift concept and uh, adopt a school halfway across the world in Kenya, Africa, and help provide better educational opportunities for students abroad who were in high school just like us, but had very little. And so that's, that's where it goes back to for me is that was my first experience of being a social entrepreneur, being an educator, and thinking about education. And in high school, I feel like one of my biggest takeaways was I loved being able to be in education, being able to empower others and being able to create things. And so when I came to UC Irvine, where I studied computer science uh, at my my alma mater, um, I helped create initiatives that were related to technology and first and foremost, uh, related to educating college students about technology and about mobile apps, about websites and things like that, relevant emerging technologies. And from then on, you know, we, we were asked by a, um, a donor uh, to the university uh, to think about how can we adapt our programs to be more kid-friendly, to look at our K-12 education system. And, and I hadn't thought about it until then, you know, and, and that's when I really reflected on my own experience of, you know, growing up, I didn't have this exposure to technology. I didn't have this exposure to innovative programs that exist today. Um, you know, uh, and, and part of that was because years ago, we didn't have that stuff, right? Um, so, and, and so that's, that's really how it all started. We started with that idea and that encouragement from uh, some great folks who kind of pioneered it. And then we, we, we created a program called AppGM Plus to teach middle school kids how to code uh, and how to make mobile apps and teach them about technology. 
And then it's kind of spun off from there into evolving into dreams for schools and who we are now. You know, we offer K-12 programs. We offer STEM and technology-related programs for, for students in at-risk communities. I think that, that's, that's awesome, Nathan. And by the way, I love the phrase social entrepreneur. I don't know when that, that started, but I think it's very interesting. You're hearing more and more about that. And I think especially younger people, when they're thinking about the businesses that they want to create, it's not all about the, the bottom line. It's about doing some, some good in the world. Um, it's, it's interesting. Just today, I was talking to my assistant uh, who's working on social media, and uh, she's actually taking a course in college on social media. And she was saying that it's so hard because the algorithms change, the, the, the technology changes. So you have to basically throw out the textbook that you used last year. And then, and then Neil and I are actually working on, on a, a book right now. And he, he exposed me to something recently that there is an um, interface right now that you don't have to be good at coding it kind of does it for you in some ways that, and so my question is, how do you, I mean, obviously we, we want to promote STEM in our schools, right? But at the same time, technology is moving so fast that are, do you ever worry that the stuff that you're trying to teach these kids to get them ready is going to be moot uh, six months, a year from now. And how do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a big question. And I don't know if I have the answer to it, but I, but I know that, you know, there's a lot of collective educators out there who are thinking about it. Social entrepreneurs like myself too. Um, and I'll, I'll address that in two ways. One is, you know, I do, I do worry about that is you know, a lot of times is what we're teaching today no longer relevant tomorrow. Because when we, when I look back at, you know, how we progress as a society and as a system, right? I mean, we had the agricultural age for hundreds of years and then we moved into the industrial age, which was, you know, just decades. And now this technology age is, you know, we're, we're changing things in less than a year, right? Yeah. And the, the rate at which change is happening and the rate at which we're evolving is faster and faster. And our education system, you know, we haven't done, done it as efficiently, right? Mm -hmm. I, I heard this great analogy a few years ago, which really sticks with me about how do we describe our education system? It's kind of like a Ford Model T car, um, classic car built in the 1900s, right? First revolutionary thing. Uh, but we live in an age of Teslas and you can't take apart the Ford Model T car and use those parts to create a Tesla, right? I mean, Tesla has got motor with battery packs and, you know, it's a whole different system. And, and, but we've made those leaps in all these industries. And I always think like, that's what we need to continue to strive to do in education is that's the big change is we have to think not in terms of today and tomorrow, but we have to think in terms of how do we get ahead of 10 years and 100 years, right? And, mm -hmm. and given our current situation with the pandemic, like I feel like we're all being forced by nature to, to really address that and how do we educate our children in the same way and how do we make sure it's effective going forward? How do we leverage technology and, and, uh, and embrace it versus fear it almost? Um, so, you know, I, I, I do think there's that piece where that, that's a big goal and that's something that all of us uh, have to do together. And that's something that different stakeholders from parents to kids to teachers to our administrators um, are, are doing and are continuing to think about, especially now more than ever. Um, but at the same time, you know, for, for me, as when I think about our own organization at Dreams for Schools, we always try to build, build flexibility with our programs. You know, one of our big models we um, do is a mentorship model where we recruit and train university students and teach them about mobile apps, teach them about websites, and teach them about different coding technologies and have them be kind of our change agents to inspire young kids. Um, and the beauty of that is, you know, today we're teaching them app development. 
tomorrow we could be teaching them AR, VR. And I always think about how do we keep it flexible, right? Because mm-hmm. today, again, we're teaching, to, to your point, how do we make sure we're relevant, we're up to date, we're not, you know, uh, what we're teaching today is no longer relevant. Right. So I always think about flexibility and how we do things as an organization. And I think we need to do that as a system more as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, for a moment here, I'm going to be a downer. Tech, technology is a two edged sword. So we, we know skills tomorrow, jobs tomorrow, mm-hmm. important to know STEM. But what do we do about the kids that don't have the infrastructure, right? They don't have the access to the devices or high speed internet to do some of these things. I mean, are they, just falling further and further behind? Yeah, that's a good question. And, um, you know, I think one of the big things is if, if I've seen anything in the last few months, it's that the issues around digital divide and access and the inequities that exist in our education system have been brought to light more than ever, um, especially with the pandemic closing schools, with schools having to figure out how do you distribute and get students, you know, laptops so they can learn at home. Uh, to that greater idea of, well, you can give a student a device, but what if they don't have, you know, a credit card or a credit line as a family to be able to get access, right? And, you know, I think, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I'm an optimist by nature, and I do think that, you know, now that these problems are no longer things that we can kind of uh, ignore, right, if we want to move forward, I think that we're going to have to be innovative about it and, and think about it more so than ever before. Um, you know, locally, I'm, I'm here in Orange County, California, and in speaking with the schools and the districts um, in the last few months, I'm seeing, you know, different initiatives come through, different efforts that I haven't seen before, um, if I'm being honest, uh, but, but they're, they're helping, they're doing more to reach the students that are hardest to reach. Um, and I think it, you know, in a way, this is that time to do it. Um, but at the same time, I do think that it's going to take some time, right? It's not going to be an overnight solution. Um, we're going to have to think about it a little bit. And, and to Michael, your point about social entrepreneurship and, you know, businesses doing more now and with not just the bottom line, but social good and purposeful is this is, this is coming now to a conversation that's not just about education, but about our community and mm-hmm. how can we as businesses and, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, telecom companies or different things change the way we think about who we serve and, you know, how do we be more purposeful and, it's, it's all part of that um, as well. So you brought up a good point. I mean, looking at the times that we live in right now, if we look at the way the economy was divvied up, we went from agrarian, we went to agriculture, we went to industrial, and now technological information, technology. And I can't help but think about when I was in school, uh, I was never a, a math or a science person. I was much more of an English person. And uh, to me, you know, I, I think what, everything you're doing is f- fantastic. Um, but I think about children who grow up who just aren't inclined and, and aren't interested in those things. Those, those, I was always interested in technology, but I wasn't, let's say, a math person or a science person, or I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd ever would have thought about coding when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I was much more into the arts and things like that. How do, how do students, uh, because of their natural abilities, their natural tendencies, how do they fit into this world where, of course, our economy uh, really de- demands that you know these things, that you can participate, that you have these skills. But what if your natural inclination, your natural abilities don't lie here at all? Uh, how, do, how do you uh, cater to those kind of students? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and, you know, I think when I think about um, 
students who may not be interested in technology or engineering, like how do you include them? Um, I think that, you know, we have to go back to the old school model of apprenticeship and what that means and helping students understand that, you know, coding is, yes, obviously it's a language now that's important and it's foundational. It's probably not going to go away. And if you embrace it, there's a lot more opportunities for sure. Um, but at the same time, I think our traditional education system, we do a great job of exposing students, especially through different pathway programs as they get older into high school, um, to two different trades and two different, you know, apprenticeship type models. Um, and I think, and I think we have to go back more to that. Like I look at education systems in, um, you know, other countries as well, and they do a great job of that. And it's something that we do, but we don't necessarily emphasize the workforce aspect early on, something that comes later. But if we did a better job of that early on, I think students can start to see their own perspective of where can I fit in as a society, as a, as a contributing member to society. Um, and it doesn't have to be just technology, right? And um, I, I'll say that one of the things that, you know, in our programs we always try to do is help students understand, you know, the importance of technology and what they can do if they embrace it. But we always tell them like, if you love art, you know, and you don't feel like you have a role in technology, that's fine. There are other things where it doesn't have to be a direct connection, but there's indirect ways that art can be enhanced by technology or art is, you know, kind of a career that you can go into as well. Um, but at the end of the day, I think if we come back to that like nurture mindset right. um, and apprenticeship and start exposing students early on, two opportunities, um, then they have greater exposure. Sure, sure. Well, you know, there's STEM and there's STEAM. You're focused on STEM. <laughs> right, I know we're, we're just talking about art. Is there a particular reason why not to do STEAM? Um, you know, I, this has been a long debate I've seen. Um, <laughs> I grew up in the STEM world. And then, uh, you know, when I was in college, uh, it was STEAM. And I've also heard STREAM, you know, with uh, R for reading. Mm. Uh, with Reading Rainbow, which a lot of folks grew up with, right? I know they've uh, uh, pioneered that and stream. So, I mean, it, it goes different ways, but I do believe that, you know, I use it interchangeably, STEM, STEAM, both ways. Um, but, yeah. I, I, I bring it up, at the stream is interesting because we, we did our episode with Jay Connor mm -hmm. talking about how reading comprehension is actually so important to be able to do word problems. So, if you're not good at reading comprehension, I'll be good at math. So, I get the stream. But I, I've seen your App Jam Plus program and seen the students make, you know, these mobile apps in just, I think it's six weeks, right? Uh, ten weeks. Ten weeks. Yeah. And the part of this is they're, uh, you know, creating like a user experience. So there's definitely like, a, you know, a, a, the Steam aspect to that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, along with this, because I'm, I'm new to your program, so I, I'm curious about this because of uh, what I've experienced as a, as a professor and also I used to do some college essay coaching. One thing that I, I feel like is missing from our schools is, and you get this uh, traditionally in college with the liberal arts education, is critical thinking. Mm -hmm. um, it's one thing to be great at technology. It's one thing to, to understand this stuff. But I think that for you to succeed, you also have to, I mean, 
For instance, uh, Neil and I are working on a book right now about this, about thinking differently and to think critically. And so I wonder how thinking critically and, and also being an innovator and bucking the trend, like having these skills, but then being able to, let's say, even dismantle these skills or turn them on, the, on their head to do different problems that you weren't prepared for originally. How does the critical thinking aspect fit into the education model you're talking about? Yeah, um, you know, critical thinking is and has always been one of the most important skills that we've emphasized um, uh, I know that, you know, it's, it's always ranked up there, but I think it's always enhanced by skills around it um, that, that kind of go together. So the, those skills include collaboration, mm -hmm. right, creativity, um, and one of my favorites, which is emotional intelligence. Um, if you look at the skills that the World Economic Forum published um, that students need to be trained in to be successful mm -hmm. from the last decade to now, one of the big things that was not on that is now, you know, in the top 10 is emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. It's that ability to have human to human interaction. It's that ability to have conversation and understand like what's real and, and build those lasting connections. But at the same time, you know, collaboration is something that's jumped in that list. Creativity has jumped in that list. Um, and all of those, I think now we put more emphasis on, on helping students understand kind of the whole self in that aspect. Um, yeah. And I think if we do that right, the critical thinking piece kind of goes better and we're able to enhance it because to be a critical thinker, you have to really, you know, if you're, if you're working with people, you have to understand them, yeah. right? True collaboration is about understanding your own strengths, your own weaknesses, and how you engage with each and every person around the room, Right. Um, and, and you have to have, you know, be able to think critically about that. So I, I always look at it as it's not just the critical thinking, but it's, that's, that's what we've always traditionally emphasized, but I actually think it's all these subset of skills that make that better. Um, mm -hmm. and they have to go together. Yeah. yeah. So when the kids actually go through your programs, we, I know they're, they're learning a lot of the hot, hard skills, some of them learning a lot of soft skills. What are they like by the end of the program? What, what's, what's the outcome like? <laughs> Yeah, well, they like winning if they win. <laughs> um, so, uh, Michael, just to give you an overview, our, you know, our app development program, it's a 10-week where students uh, go through a you know, mentorship opportunity where they get a college instructor, somebody who's most likely been in their shoes, but maybe not uh, had the same opportunities like they're having right now, um, somebody in a technical career who can be a role model to them. Mm -hmm. And they learn, you know, as a team of five students, they work together, they have to work, learn to work together. They have to come up with an idea of an app that they want to make together that they all agree on. Again, that's a big debate because every student always has their own idea. Um, and at the very end, we have a big uh, app jamboree showcase where, you know, all the students present on stage in front of almost 400 people about their app, along with industry judges. I know, Neil, you've served as a judge. Um, and, and it's that moment of truth for them. And I think one of the favorite parts for the kids I was here is uh, working with their instructor and their, and their mentor, you know, because yeah. that's, it's not something that you get to do every day. You don't really get to talk to a college student or somebody who's older than you and build a relationship. So that's, that's one of the biggest things. Um, you know, second, obviously, like I think some of my favorite experiences have been students get really nervous when they realize they have to go up on stage and present in front of these many you know, uh, people. But I think it's when a student does that, it's a, such a transformational experience um, where, you know, they get excited by it. And, and one, of my, one of my favorite parts is like watching the kids be nervous and go up and then come out of it like 
ready to like take over the world. They feel like they've got all the energy, they accomplished something big. So you know, they, I think for the, you know, for the students that have said it, that's one of their biggest favorite parts. It's that transformation that happens. Um, and then obviously like if they win prizes, they get a Chromebook or different educational tech, uh, technology toys. So that's cool too. Yeah. Well, again, I got to ask then. So tell us some of your favorite apps that they've come up with or the, some of the most outrageous ones. Yeah. So, you know, we've, uh, we've streamlined our program every year. And one of the things that we did last year was try to align with the uh, sustainable development goals of the United Nations as well. And so we start, started doing themes uh, every season. So one of our uh, latest themes was, uh, you know, helping the environment and saving Mother Earth. And it's just open-ended, but it's always cool to see what kids come up with. So we've, you know, we had students during that session make some really cool uh, games, uh, video games, where you have to navigate like different pieces of trash uh, and, and help, help, help the user understand like what's compost and what's recyclable, like, you know, different things. So it's always interesting what students come up with. We had um, uh, uh, a couple students a few years ago create a game that, uh, well, it was, it was like a productivity app. And it, depending on what product you wanted to make, Mm-hmm. It would help you understand what are the best countries and markets to sell in and what e-commerce platforms should you use based on your product. So if you have product in the fashion industry, right, um, it would tell you that you should probably most likely target like these eight countries in Asia or Europe. Um, and here's the platforms to do so. And here's why. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting to see how students always um, think about it because, you know, they're, they're ultimately like, you know, the ones that are going to be living here farther than I or, you know, all of us. And, you know, they're going to have to address and create these solutions. So, yeah. That's cool. I know that this is just one program for Dream for School, but, you know, you're telling us about how it got started and, uh, you know, adopted a sister school in Kenya. What, what's going on over there? What's the, is there anything you'd share about that uh, relationship? Yeah. Um, so, you know, so the, the Kenya work that we've, uh, that I was involved with um, back in high school and throughout college, um, I'm still involved with. And, you know, I, I got to go to Kenya a few years ago and visit our communities. Uh, really amazing to see, see what's happened there. Uh, one of our newest projects and uh, that, that's actually uh, going to be starting is a, uh, a social enterprise. And we partnered with the PAD Project which is an organization um, that was behind the documentary period end of uh, sentence on Netflix. And it won an Oscar as well. Um, and we partnered with them and we're going to be, you know, helping bring a, a sanitary napkin uh, machine, one of the first in Africa to Kenya over there uh, for the communities and help create a, a social enterprise out of it where we can employ high school young girls, but also women in the community um, and, and have them, you know, hopefully in a year, uh, run with it and sustain it and build a social enterprise where, you know, they're not only able to kind of change the, the conversation around uh, the importance of, you know, women's health and hygiene and, and sanity with, with sanitary napkins, but they're also able to actually create it as a, as a revenue for them to support their families as well. So, um, it's always cool to, you know, be involved in, in those projects and, those were through some connections that, you know, we just serendipitously met less than a year ago. And it's cool to see, uh, you know, what a conversation can do. Um, and, uh, if we get the right people around. Yeah. Awesome. I, 
We, we totally agree. That's, that's the whole premise of our show about a conversation, what, what, what it can do, but I, I totally agree. So that's fantastic. So let's imagine um, it's five, 10 years from now. How is the world better because of the work that you're doing with these students? Yeah. Um, you know, I'll tell you, uh, we've been thinking a lot lately about evaluation and metrics and how do we track our students. And um, I, I, for me, how is the world better in five, 10 years always comes back to where are students now and where have they gone? And I, I look at that and, you know, we've had students who are first exposed to coding or technology through our program who are now in high school and have started other programs to teach homeless kids or homeless youth in underserved communities how to code, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we've had students, uh, we have a young woman, uh, girl who uh, went through our program and is now a college student at UC Irvine uh, double majors and she was named one of uh, I believe like 35 uh, young women in the nation to win a prestigious scholarship around aerospace and uh, you know and it's amazing because she's going to be changing the story and changing the game um, around how aerospace happens and you know we just had the recent SpaceX launch obviously mm -hmm. so I always I always think about where are students going and it inspires me a lot to know that they're not just going through the program and, uh, you know, and, and not doing it, but a lot of them do get interested. You know, we've seen high rates of students being interested in pursuing a technical career or something related. Um, and, and, and that's, that's inspiring to me. So I always think back to, you know, th think about our, our students and, and it makes it all the more important to continue to educate them because you know, all we can do is open the door to them. And, uh, education is, is, um, it's, it's kind of a means, right? It's, it's kind of like a passport going forward. Yeah. I love that. That's fantastic, Nathan. Look, you got a lot of great stuff going on. How can people follow your story? How can they follow Dreams for School and what you're up to? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, we're, uh, we're active on social media. Uh, you guys can check us out at dreamsforschools.org. We're off, actually shifted a lot of our programs to be virtual um, and student-centered personalized learning online. Uh, because of COVID and all throughout summer and the rest of the year as well. Um, so you can go to dreamsforschools.org. Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Nithin Jilla. Uh, it's very hard to find another Nithin Jilla, I believe, as far as I know. <laughs> um, and you can follow us around on social media at Dreams for Schools on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube as well, where you can actually watch all of our students' work and uh, see the app jamborees that I, that I was talking about with you as well. That's awesome. Fantastic. We'll make sure those are in the show notes. Hey, you've been a fantastic guest. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you both. Uh, this is uh, awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Hey, if you like today's show, please remember to hit the like button and leave a comment. If you've been enjoying the Changing the Story podcast series, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you.